you have it, say amen. Need a little more time? Say, hold on, brother. <laughs> All right. Judges 16, verse 15. It says, Judges chapter 16, verse 15. It says, then she said to him, she meaning Delilah, him meaning Samson, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and have kept and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. Delilah said to Samson, how can you say you love me when this is the third time you made a fool of me? So I want to talk from the topic, don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> don't hate the player, hate the game. So a lot of times when you told about the story of Samson and Delilah, we always heard and the story's always been told as if Samson was this great man of God who followed the Lord mightily and was serving God on a tremendous powerful level until he met a prostitute named Delilah. And they said he was this great man of God with great strength, great power, great dedication until he met a prostitute named Delilah and Delilah was his downfall. But I'm here to tell y'all this morning that Samson's problems didn't start with Delilah. His issues led him to Delilah. See, Samson's mama was barren, and she couldn't have any kids. And so God came, and Jesus came and did a pre-incarnate appearance in the Old Testament. It's what we call a Christophany or theophany. Those are pre-incarnate appearances of Christ in the Old Testament. And so he came and told his mother that, hey, you're going to have a son. He's to be a Nazarite. Now, when you're a Nazarite, a Nazarite has three things that they have to stick to. They can't drink any wine. They can't touch anything dead, dead carcass, anything, and they must not cut their hair. Now, there's two Nazarites in the Bible we know of as Samson and John the Baptist. And so she kept that vow. And so Samson's story starts in verse 14. Now, chapters 13 through 16 tell you all about Samson's life and story. But chapter 14 is when it starts where Samson goes to his father and mother and says, hey, I've been down to the Philistines and there's a woman down there and she does it for me, so I need y'all to go get her for me. And his dad said, boy, can't you find somebody around here that's of your own people instead of going to get one of them old uncircumcised Philistines? He said, just go get her for me. So they go down there, and on their way down there to get it, before time, Samson run into a line, and he don't kill the line. They said the Bible says he tore that line apart like tearing a goat, a young goat. And so they get down there, meet the girl, and they come on back, and on Samson's way back, him and his parents, now they're making that trip back down there for him to marry her. Now, I told y'all already Samson's problems didn't start with Delilah, right? So when Samson gets down there, Samson, now he marries the girl. Now they're doing this week-long wedding feast. And so she sends this. They have 30 companions around him. They're not there for him. They're more so there to keep an eye on him and to report back to her and her family things about him because they didn't trust him. They don't know him. You know, it's kind of like a bachelor party without the boys really being on your side. <laughs> they telling everything. And so Samson, you know, that night he marries the girl and, you know, he gets with her. And so now he tells her this riddle. And he tells the 30 companions this riddle. He said, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And he said, I tell y'all what, if y'all can solve this in seven days, I will give y'all 30 garments of clothing. If y'all can't solve it, y'all owe me 30 outfits. Now here it is on the third day, they still wasn't able to figure out the riddle. So on the fourth day, they go and threaten Samson's wife. 
and said, if you don't tell figure out what the riddle is, we're going to kill you and your daddy. So she goes and she told Samson, how can you say you love me and you won't tell me what's going on? They're going to kill me. Tell me the riddle. Samson, I ain't even told my mama then. Why would I tell you? And so then he finally told her after she, she just kept crying every day and he finally broke down and told her. Then they come and they told and she don't go back and report to them what Samson said the riddle was. So now Samson owes them 30 outfits. Samson gets so mad he goes out and he kills 30 people and bring their outfits to them. Now, I did tell y'all Samson's problems didn't start with Delilah, right? Samson gets so mad at his wife, he leaves that night and goes back home to his mom and dad. So after a little time passed, Samson go get a young girl because he now wants to go back to hook up with his wife. When he gets down there with his wife, I know y'all probably heard all this, but this is in 13, 14, 15, 16. Samson goes down there to hook up with his wife, and he gets there. Her daddy said, where are you going? He said, I'm going in there with the wife. No, no, she's now with your best man, the one you brought to the, down here with you. So now Samson's wife has hooked up with his best friend, the best man he brought down there to the wedding feast with him. Now, I did tell y'all Samson's problems didn't start with Delilah, right? <laughs> Samson gets so mad now because of that. He goes out, and he gets 300 foxes, and he grabs 150 torches. He ties the foxes' tails to the torches and let them loose. Now they go in the city. They're burning up the grain, the vineyards, and everything. And so now they get so mad, and they're like, who done this? The Philistines like, the man from Tim, his son-in-law did that because he got mad because her father gave his best friend and his wife permission to hook up. So they get mad. They go, and they get Samson's wife and, her, and his father-in-law and they burned them alive. Samson gets so mad, the Bible says, that he did a vicious onslaught and just started killing people left and right like crazy. Then Samson gets upset. Now he goes off. And he goes and he's sitting in the city. He's chilling, relaxing, trying to catch his breath. Then it says that Samson go with his people. Now the Philistines is coming down there to get Samson. Now I did tell y'all his problems didn't start with Delilah, right? So now his Philistines coming. Now 3,000 of his own people Come over there and say, hey, man, these Philistines, they over us. They coming to get you. And, man, what are you bringing this on us? And Samson said, okay. They said, we need you to rest. We need to arrest you. And Samson said, well, okay, long as y'all promise not to kill me, I'll go with y'all. So they tied Samson up, took him to the Philistines, and they took him. And it says, soon as he got with the Philistines, those ropes became like flag. He broke loose, grabbed a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and slayed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. Then what Samson do after he don't took the jawbone of a donkey out, then we see something in Samson that we ain't seen before. Now he wants to talk to God. <laughs> he said, Lord, after I don't done all this, you don't gave me the victory. You're going to let me sit out here and die of thirst? So God provided the brother water, and Samson, true to form, how some people do, as soon as God answer prayer, you go back to doing what you were doing. Samson goes after he gets his strength revived and got refreshed. He goes to God's and hooks up with a prostitute. Now, I did tell y'all his issues didn't start with Delilah, right? So he goes and hooks up with a prostitute that night. They find out he's there. And so Samson take, takes his big polars of the gate, the two posts from the gate, and carry them up the hill. And these brothers, they looking at him who was coming to get him, and they figured out all of a sudden they remember some things they had to do. <laughs> I think we left the oven on. I got to get some goat milk for the baby. They remember the thing they had to do, so they turned around. 
And then it says that Samson goes down to the valley of Sorek, and now he meets a woman by the name of Delilah. We call her prostitute. The Bible never calls her a prostitute. So when the Philistines find out, they say seven, I mean, uh, the Lord of the Philistines, which is five of them, they come to Samson because he already had a relationship with Delilah. He didn't just meet and they sent her to hook up. Said because Samson already had a relationship with Delilah, they asked Delilah if she can find the source of Samson's strength. And so when we look at Samson, a lot of times we sit there and we assume why people the way they are. We think it's because of this person and that person, and we don't realize that their issue started way before they got with that individual. And so there's three things we can learn from our brother Samson today. Number one is out of your hurt, if you don't deal with your hurt, out of your hurt, you will hurt other people. If you don't deal with your hurt, out of your hurt, you will hurt other people. See, Samson never got over and never addressed the issue from when he was hurt by his wife and his best friend. So all we see for the rest of Samson's life is Samson is making pain-based decisions. See, a lot of times God allows us to go through struggles, but we go through struggles and we don't come out the way we're supposed to. See, we go through struggles and God doesn't allow us to go through them so that we can digest the substance of our struggles. We go through struggles so that we can get the revelation out of our struggles. See, if you come out of a bad relationship with some man, you can't sit there and label all, and, and label all men dogs. Just thank God for delivering you from Rover. <laughs> if you come out of a relationship, you can't label all women crazy. Just praise God for the lunatic he just delivered you from. You can't go from one job to the next job thinking everybody got it in for me. Just thank God for freeing you up there. Because when you digest the substance and don't get the revelation, you're going to continue to make pain-based decisions. And we're going to have people, and we try to force people to fill holes that they're not responsible of digging. And so now you don't went from one relationship to the next, and this person's having to pay for something that your mama did to you. You're going from one relationship to the next that now you're married to somebody and they're paying for something that your 13-year-old sweetheart done for you. We have to stop making people pay for decisions and, and, pay, and pay for stuff that they didn't cause on us. And we do that a lot of times because we go from one situation to the next, one place to the next. So when you go from one relationship to the next relationship, you're taking that baggage. You go from one job to the next job, you're taking that baggage. You go from one church to the next church, you're taking all that baggage. And you got to address and leave that baggage behind because you're going to come back. You're going to sit there and think everybody is the same way. No, you just keep bringing the same old baggage with you from relationship to relationship, from job to job, from church to church. And too much baggage is destructive for anybody. In 2001, August 25th, we lost our sweetheart Aaliyah. We know her. She was a singer, uh, entertainer, and everything. She went over to the Bahamas to film a video. Well, on their way over to the Bahamas, they went over on two planes. One plane carried their luggage, and the other plane carried them. Well, on their way back from the Bahamas, on the way back, they took one plane. The plane had them and their baggage on there. And Aaliyah, nor her friends or associates, was able to survive and make it over here. Why? Because they was carrying too much baggage. And the plane crashed and killed everybody is because they had too much baggage. 
And because of all the baggage, it's not only led to her self-destruction, but it led to the destruction of those who was with her. And if we take our baggage from one place to the next, like Samson, it's not only going to lead to our self-destruction, but we're going to damage those around us and that's coming along with us. And what we have to do is we have to address the issue. See, we make a lot of pain-based decisions, and they're not effective. See, Samson went from his wife to one prostitute to the woman in Gaza to another, and then he hooked up and fell in love with Delilah. When you're first hurt, now you're making unwise decisions because when you're pain and you're hurting, now you're making decisions that cloud your judgment. You're not making clear decisions. And then you're hooking up with the wrong people, doing the wrong things, at the wrong stuff, going to the wrong church, hanging out with the wrong folks. And so some people, we deal with our pain differently. When you go through things, God wants us to respond, not react. When you react, you can do a lot of things that's not going to honor and glorify God. But when you respond, it's something you've thought through, and you're going to make a response and a decision that's not going to dishonor God or the character that you claim you represent with God. And so when we look at the hurt and pain that Samson went through, he was 20 years of this story with watching him make one pain-based decision after another because he never addressed what hurt the pain that he first lost of his first love. And somebody's in church today, not because you wanted to be, probably because somebody hurt you. And you here because you probably would have been at home on the phone with them, talking to them late to 3, 4 in the morning. But since they hurt you, you said, I might as well come to church, pray, and say, God, you probably sat through worship, mad at God, hurt, depressed, sad, just trying to get some relief. The relief is this, address the person and deal with the situation that hurts you. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a process. See, when we talk about Joseph in the Old Testament, we always talk about Joseph. Joseph was this guy, he just forgave so easy. His brothers came, and yeah, he was a little hurt, but he forgave them. No, Joseph didn't just forgive them right away. You better read chapter 47 in Genesis. When Joseph's brothers came, it said Joseph talked harshly to them. And not only did Joseph talk harshly to them, Joseph also threw his brothers in prison. So Joseph wasn't just hurt. Joseph also was getting revenge on his brothers. He was wanting them to get a little bit of what he was going through. Now, he felt convicted because he's a man of God, and no matter how strong you are with God, you may want to get revenge and react and do things, but he got convicted and he made things right. But we have to understand that when you're going through things, you have to deal with those who hurt you and stop making everybody else pay for the pain that somebody else caused you. I told you this before, this woman who went in one relationship after another. She was in a bad relationship, heartbreak after another. So this last relationship, the guy dumped her, and so she wanted to see who he was bringing home. So she went and stood outside his apartment and hid in the bushes. While she was in the bushes, she got bit by a raccoon. And after a couple of days, she started feeling a little feverish and stuff. She went to the doctor, and the doctor came and told her, he said, I got some good news and bad news. He said, the bad news is you do have rabies. He said, the good news is after five treatments, you'll be cured. So he goes out, and he comes back in, and he just see her on a pad, and she's just writing stuff down, just writing stuff down. And he said, ma'am, if you don't mind me asking, what are you doing? She said, I'm writing down everybody I need to bite before my first treatment. <laughs> Because hurt people hurt people. <laughs> so 
Somebody come to you with their mouth wide open, take heed. <laughs> Get away. <laughs> See, God has called us to carry one another's burdens. God has called us to be there for one another, to sharpen eyes, iron sharpen eyes, to be able to have somebody you can confide in, you can trust in. Tempest Merriweather, she came to our church the other day and she was sharing her testimony about some things. And one thing she said is she said, you have to be a safe place and you need to find a safe place. And when you look at one of my favorite movies, it's the movie Antoine Fisher. And the movie is played by Derek Luke. He played Antoine Fisher and then you had Denzel Washington, who was a therapist. And y'all know black folks and therapists ain't never saw eye to eye. <laughs> but we better step it up. We got to go see a therapist as well. <laughs> Talk to somebody. And so when you look at the store with Derek Lou, he's down in the Navy. And now they're sitting there and they're looking at him because they think he just got a bad attitude. He's mean. He's disrespectful. He, he doesn't respond to authority well. And all he was doing, but they're not thinking it. But, but he, they didn't know how his past had affected him. See, as a little boy, his parents gave him up. And then he was adopted. And then his foster parents who took him in, one lady was real mean to him and disrespected him. The other one was molesting him at six years old. And so they didn't know all this pain that he was going through. And they were cracking jokes on him, making fun of him for not being in a relationship with somebody, for not hooking up with a girl. They trying to act like he was gay. And all of a sudden he's lashing out. He's all, every time you turn around, he was fighting somebody. He was fighting. So when he goes to sit with his therapist, Denzel, Denzel didn't just let him come in and dictate how the session was going to go. He said, you got three sessions. The first two sessions, he sat there and didn't say nothing. The third session, all of a sudden, he wanted to open up. And, but then it was like, hey, time is up. And so now he said, everybody is leaving me. His best friend got killed in front of him. My parents didn't want me. And Antoine Fisher's always talking about how people leaving me. So his defense mechanism was to not get close to anybody, push everybody away and stay mean because even though he's now an adult, he's still protecting that little boy that was six years old. And so when he was invited to Thanksgiving dinner, because now he don't build that connection because this guy really cares about me. My therapist loved me. It's not just a job for him. He truly cares about me. He gave him a poem. And the title of that poem is, Who Will Cry for the Little Boy? And he said, Who will cry for the little boy, lost and all alone? Who will cry for the little boy, abandoned without his own? Who will cry for the little boy who cries himself to sleep? Who will cry for the little boy? who never had for keeps? Who will cry for the little boy who walked the burning sand? Who will cry for the little boy, the boy inside the man? Who will cry for the little boy, a good boy he tried to be? Who will cry for the little boy who cries inside of me? And he said that Denzel said, who will cry for the little boy? Antoine Fisher said, I will. He said, because I always do. And there may be some little boy, some little girl in us that we still protecting, that we still we have to fight for. Just give it up to Jesus. Find somebody you can talk to and confide in, and let's stop making pain-based decisions that's going to harm one relationship after another. And the second thing we can learn from our boy Samson is this. Is Samson used his anointing for his amusement and not for his assignment. And your anointing is not for your amusement. Your anointing is for your assignment. Samson spent more time fighting his own personal battles and just as much time fighting personal battles than he was fighting God's battles. And a lot of times we sit there and we don't understand that our, our anointing is not for our amusement. It's for our assignment. And people always say, well, I don't know what God's will is for my life. I don't know what God. No, you do know what God's will is for your life. Everybody has a general will 
for their life that we have to do. Live for Christ, share, reach out, disciple, study, show yourself approved, mentor, reach out to others, have somebody pouring into you, you pouring into somebody. That's general. Now, some people have a special calling on their life, whether they set out to be a pastor, deacon, elder, missionary. Those are special callings, but we all have a general calling. So nobody can ever say, I don't know what God's will is for my life because we all have a general will. And so when Samson's spending all his time fighting all these personal battles and not enough time fighting God's battles, we're sitting there watching his destruction. He's sitting there and he's throwing out riddles. These ain't your friends, Samson. These are dudes that are your wife's people. This ain't no game among friends. And what we do a lot of times, we spend more time fighting personal battles, fighting personal battles, wondering why this ain't happening, wondering why that ain't happening, wondering why this ain't going right, wondering why that ain't going right. Because what we do is we spend too much time fighting personal battles and not God's battles. And you may say, and this is the thing about a battle. Either you pick the battle, your battle picks you, or God picks it for you. Now, the battle that you want to pick for yourself, a lot of times it may be something that the burden that God has put on your heart, and that may be something that God has put on for you to go forward. Some may pick you, maybe something that God has assigned you for to go do, or somebody's picking on you. Or it may be a special calling like God had for Samson, and Samson is doing his thing, but then Samson ain't always doing it. See, a lot of times we always quote that there's no weapon formed against you, but the question is this, what if you're the weapon you formed against you? What if you're the weapon formed against you? How are you going to prosper when you're constantly fighting yourself? Your will going against God's will. What if we are the weapons we form against ourselves? And so here we are, we're going from one place to the next, one relationship to the next. And this is the thing, anybody that cares about you or loves you anyway, they don't mind being there for you. But when we go into pain based, we make pain-based decisions, when we spend our time fighting our own personal battles and not fighting God's battles and doing things God's way, then we sit there and we, with somebody in there like confused, like, what's up? I don't know how to help you. I don't know how to reach you. I don't know how to minister to you. Because this is one thing we all have to understand in relationships, it's like going to a used car dealership. The person you get is as is, no warranty. <laughs> so whatever it is, you're going to have to work those kinks and quirks out together. As is, no warranty. And, and when you care about the person, that's fine. But you at least need to know what the issues are. You can't keep guessing what's going on because now you can't really understand and reach out and minister to help that person. And a lot of times when we're going through life and God has given us an assignment and we have an anointing and we're saying, well, I got a word. You know, I may fit the ministry in this time. I mean, no, that's not how it goes. The Bible says we are to be busy doing the work of the ministry. But we're busy doing work. But are we busy doing the work of the ministry? Because we say, well, I don't have time. Nobody has time. You make time for what you're supposed to be doing. If we sit there and try to find time, we ain't going to have time to do what God has called us to do. So we have to make time for what God has called us to do. I was listening to this story, and it was, uh, says Satan was meeting with his demons and all the demonic angels and stuff, and they were saying, you know what? What can we do to slow down this Christian thing? They said, because Christ's followers are really expanding and they're really growing. And one of the demons said, I know, Satan, I know what we can do. We can tell them God don't exist. So they said, no, nah, it's too much proof of that. I mean, they've seen the word. They've seen the angels. They've seen the creation. You know, they've seen the stuff he did with Moses and all of them. They said, it's too much proof of that. And one, ain't done, one demon said, I know what we could do. We could tell them this. We could tell them that Jesus didn't really rise from the grave. Satan said, the devil said, no, nah, that ain't going to work either. 
said because he was seen by the 12 disciples, 500 witnesses, and he hung out with them 40 days after he was killed. And then one of them said, oh, I know it, I know it, I know we could tell him. He said, what? We could tell him they got all the time in the world. So he said, that'll work. Because as long as we think we got all the time in the world, we're not going to be serious about getting on God's work. As long as we think we got time, well, when my career is over, then I'll start doing more at the church. When my career is over, then I'll start living for the Lord. When I slow down on my, you know, no. When my kids ain't got all the sports and stuff going on, then we can get back involved. When I'm not traveling so much, then I can, no. You make time. Because this is the thing. Samson probably thought he had all the time in the world. But he didn't. Don't make the same mistake Samson made. We don't have all the time in the world. Nobody's promised tomorrow. And the third thing we have to really, we can learn from Samson. And the final thing is that when you change your focus from your situation to your Savior, you can watch your Savior change your situation. When you change your focus from your situation to your Savior, you can watch your Savior change your situation. See, Samson, now he went up with Delilah, and Samson is saying, Delilah, Delilah's like, Samson, this is the third time you're making a fool of me, Samson. You keep making a fool of me. No, Delilah, you're making a fool of yourself. You the one keep going through that same thing with him. So here he is. They don't capture him, and they don't sit there. And she said, what is the secret of your strength? So Samson finally told her, you know, I'm a Nazarite, and if I cut my hair, then that's, where, then that's where my strength is. So if you cut my hair, I will lose my strength and be normal like any other man. So what happened? They cut his hair. Delilah said, the Philistines are among you, Samson. Samson said, you know what, well, i just jump up and break loose and take them out like I do any other time. So what happened? He jumped up, tried to break loose, and couldn't. And so they captured Samson, and they cut his eyes out. They, they took him, they put him in prison, and they started having Samson come out and entertain them. So they used somebody that God was going to use to start the deliverance from the Philistines. Now the Philistines is using who God has anointed for now their amusement. Ain't that how, how you see how that flip? Instead of Samson using his anointing for his amusement, now Satan is using his anointing for their amusement. And so now he's sitting there and he, he don't been brought in and they enter, using him for entertainment. And Samson is like, the Bible says that his hair start to grow back. And that as his hair start to grow back, Samson still didn't have his strength. He still couldn't break free. He still couldn't get loose. Why? Because Samson's strength never was in his hair. His strength was never in his hair. And you're probably saying, well, hold on now. He had three vows. He wasn't supposed to have no wine, and he put together a winery, feast for seven days, and he got his drink on and his party on. He wasn't supposed to touch a dead carcass. He not only took honey out of a line, he also grabbed a fresh-killed jawbone of a donkey. But he didn't lose his strength till he cut his hair. Well, his strength never was in his hair. Because when Samson got ready to kill the lion, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. When Samson got ready to kill the Philistines and take a thousand of them out, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. When Samson got ready to uh, kill the 30 men and dig them outfits, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord came upon him. So Samson's strength was never in his hair. The source of Samson's strength was in the spirit of the Lord being upon him. And the saddest thing about Samson is not all the stuff that he didn't live for God. It says that when Samson jumped up and tried to break loose, it says he didn't even realize that the Lord had departed from him. Can you imagine that you're not living for God and you don't realize that the Lord has departed from you? That God is no, his hand is no longer on what you're doing? His hand is no longer strengthening what you're trying to do. 
it says that he didn't even know. And the reason why he didn't know God had left him, because the reason why he didn't discern God that left him is because he didn't desire God in the first place. And a lot of times we can't discern the spirit when it's not there because we're making decisions doing things and we don't desire the spirit to be there. We want to make decisions and then invite God in to help get it right and get it together when we don't mess it up or if it ain't going as planned. And so what God is, and then what Samson is saying is that when you look at Samson and it says that his hair started to grow back, but his strength did. And Samson said in verse 28 in chapter 16, he said, Lord, strengthen me one more time. Now, it took Samson to lose his eyesight for him to get the correct insight. Now, he know that his source of his strength was God, not his hair. And a lot of times, you can't sit there. If you don't recognize God is the source of your strength, then you're in trouble. Don't look at your job as a source of your strength. Don't look at your career as a source of your strength. Don't look at, you know, if you're the one that, and, I, and you may not, I may not be talking to you, if you're the one who's made all the right decisions, born in the right family, went to the right school, took up the right career choice, got the right degrees, married the right person, bought the right house, in the right neighborhood, driving the right car, having the right kids. I may not be talking to you right now because you made everything right. But the one who knew that God was the source of their strength, who didn't realize it, but once they realized it, they saw that we serve a God that's so gracious, he'll start giving you back what you lost. Because Samson lost his hair, but God started giving it back. So God, we serve a God that will give you back what you lost. He will give you your joy back. He will give you your peace back. He will give you your health back. He will give you your marriage back. He will give you your parents back. He will give you your finances back. We serve a God who is so gracious that he will give us back what we lost because he is that good. When we think about Samson and we look at the the things that he went through, the things that we can learn from his life. One, we need to learn that out of your hurt, if you don't deal with your hurt, you'll hurt others. Secondly, we need to see that our anointing is not for our amusement but for our assignment. And then we also need to understand with Samson is that, is that, um, Excuse me, I'm about to sneeze. (laughs) That when you change your focus off your situation to your Savior, you'll watch your Savior change your situation. And what did God do with Samson? He honored his request. He strengthened Samson once more. Samson took them where they was all partying, having a good time. He was right there, the pillars that supported where all them was partying. God gave him the strength to break it. He said, God, give me the strength to take their life and mine. And God honored that. And Samson, they said he killed more people that day than he killed all the other years when he was killing everybody. Because God honored and gave Samson his strength back. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to today, but you may have looking at the source of your strength and thought that, you know, the source of your strength may be in your job. The source of your strength may have been your career or the going to the right church or, you know, you may have been hurt and you're trying to make everybody pay for the pain that someone else has caused you. It doesn't work. Go to the person. If the person ain't alive or around, go to a counselor. Go somewhere and address the pain that you're suffering. Because all you're doing is we're making pain-based decisions, and we're trying to make everybody else pay for the pain that none of them caused. We have to look in the mirror and stop looking out the window. Because when you're looking out the window, you're watching what everybody else is doing. They doing this and they doing that. But when you look in the mirror, it's a reflection of what you need to be doing. You have to look at yourself in the mirror. And no matter what's going on, trust and know that you serve a God that's gracious enough 
He give you your joy back, give you your peace back. He never left you because the spirit dwells within you. What you lose with God is never a relationship. You may lose fellowship, but you never lose relationship. Because David said to God, Lord, restore to me the fellowship that we once had. Because David knew that he could never lose his relationship. But sin causes you to lose your fellowship with God. And so what I want to encourage you all to do is, hey, think about any pain you're dealing with, stuff you may be going through. Stop blaming any and everybody. Address the issue and stop holding people responsible for filling holes they didn't help dig. Please stand as we uh, close out today. Lord, we are thankful to you, Lord, for blessing uh, our brother Cleon. Give him a word, Lord, that we can follow, we can walk through. Lord, as we depart from here today, may we examine our lives, examine our heart, examine our desires, Lord, and desire and examine our gifts. And Lord, may we be convicted in knowing what are we doing with what you've given us. May we not waste, Lord, the time you've given us. May we not waste, Father, how you've blessed us. May we reach out and treat others, Lord, in accordance with your desire, not with our hurts. Lord, would you uh, move the enemy, Lord, that he gets in and speaks to us and pulls us aside, allows us, Lord, to consume our own desires, Father. And may our hearts be for you. May we set aside the, the idols, Father, we've created in our own homes. But we set aside the, the idols, Lord, of uh, resentment that we've created, that we may be able, Lord, to not hurt those that we love. Lord, would you give us a heart that's pure? Would you give us a desire for you? And may, Lord, what we do this week, what we do today, Father, glorify you. Not only that, may it lead others to who you are. We thank you, Father. We thank you for our brother. We thank you for those who are here today. And may our week be joyous. May our week, Lord, be a sacrifice to you. This we pray, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you.